from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. I'm not much of a conspiracy theorist. I'm not much of a brick stacker. But sometimes you see transactions, you hear rumors, and you start to look around and say, maybe it's inevitable. Today, that's happening. Aaron Rodgers hasn't told us what's next, but maybe the Jets have. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. And Harry, all I can think in my head is right now, Greeny's got to have the joy, 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 joy down in his heart. Evan, our producer extraordinaire, got to be out here like, Evan looks like a little kid that just had 18 pixie sticks and 32 sugar-free Red Bulls because there is an excitement and an energy today. Not because anything's happened yet with Aaron Rodgers, but because it appears at this point that the Jets are making other moves moves, including and not limited to talking to Alan Lazard, the wide receiver that we all know has had a ton of success with Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers wants to continue to play with. So it feels like maybe, maybe the pieces are finally coming together towards some sort of a a, a resolution to this. I can feel it coming in the air tonight. Oh, Lord. (laughs) We can all feel it, Fitz. We can all feel it. You talk about Alan Lazard, a guy who is a big-bodied wide receiver, over 2,200 yards, 19 touchdowns, catching from Aaron Rodgers within his career. Now, there was also little birdies and little noise around uh, this morning that, you know, Randall Cobb, who we know is very, very close to Aaron Rodgers, could potentially be joining Alan Lazard if he decides to sign with the New York Jets. These are all pieces to the puzzle, pieces to the puzzle. And then once Aaron Rodgers signs or if he signs with the you know New York Jets, the puzzle will be complete. But it makes sense, right? Aaron Rodgers is a guy uh, who, who loves the, his guys. He loves guys who knows the system. He, he understands their body language. They're going to be in the right place when he needs them to be. And you add on a guy within Garrett Wilson and the run game and Brees Hall to be back, add all those things together – But also, Nathaniel Hackett is there, right? And Nathaniel Hackett has run this offense with these guys, all the guys that I just mentioned, Aaron Rodgers, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb. These guys will be an extension of Nathaniel Hackett trying to teach this offense to get everyone on one accord so they can be in unison when they go out there and play. That's if all this goes down. But it looks like the pieces are moving in the right direction, Fitz. Now, let me be clear. I think Lazard is a great signing for the Jets either way, right? So uh, yes. this 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 signing m- makes a lot of sense. I know you agree. And it's like, it feels like, Harry, I know we're so desperate to make all of it link back to Aaron Rodgers. This does link back to Aaron Rodgers in a lot of ways that even I, ever the cynic, can't. I, I can't deny them. But I still think for the Jets, it's a solid move either way. And I think about what we saw, the explosion from Garrett Wilson last year. You put somebody like Alan Lazard around Garrett Wilson, you're making your strength stronger. This this feels like yep. a really smart move by the Jets either way, but it still does tie in. It's a, it's a win-win for the Jets because if they don't get Aaron Rodgers, but they tried and they bring in yet another piece he's comfortable with, they still walk away with one of the better wide receivers they could have gotten in this wide receiver free agency class that can help their wide receiver room today. Not just on the field, but in the uh, in the film room, everywhere in the wide receiver room, right? Like So I, I want to say, just to caution back a little bit the Jets are in a win-win scenario by looking at this well I will also look at the Jets roster right now 
if these signings do happen, what happens now to Corey Davis, a wide receiver? Are they going to keep him? Are they going to ship him off within the trade? Are they going to release him? Also, Elijah Moore, if Randall Cobb is signed, or are they going to keep Elijah Moore? Because I like his skill set, but, you know, we've seen him unhappy last year and disgruntled before he actually got it back together and went out there and started playing football. So I want, I want to know what's going to happen to those two guys if the Jets decide to sign Alan Lazard and also Randall Cobb. Yeah, I mean, it's good to give yourself options and to give yourself ability to sort of best player available, right? You make the room yep. better and you let the, the cream rise to the crop. I do think, too, familiarity matters. And, you know, I'll reference this morning I was doing a, a, a phone interview with Raider Nation Radio. I talk to them every week, and so it's the Raiders affiliate. And there are a bunch of Raiders fans out there angry about the concept that Josh McDaniels, the head coach, wants people familiar with his offense. And people get frustrated by this. I don't understand that. This is another example of, you mentioned Hackett, you mentioned Lazard, you mentioned Aaron Rodgers. Frankly, in whatever you do in life, if you're sitting here and you're looking at your next opportunity, and you can go work with people you know versus working with people you don't know, and you can go with work with people you trust versus people you don't trust, like... I don't understand why everything that an athlete does has to be put in this vacuum separate from real-life decision. If you can make money, go be in an offense where you know the language and you can work with people that you know and you understand how they work from day one. Why would you not want to do that? I lived it. I lived it, Fitz. I lived it. Nine of my ten years when I was in the National Football League, was in the same offense. The one year it wasn't is when we had Ken Winsahunt as our offensive coordinator. It was these, the San Diego Chargers at the time, their offense and what they ran. But it still had some similarities to the system that I was in my entire career. And then when we switched head coaches, we went to the offense that I had in Atlanta. That's part of the reason why I signed with the Tennessee Titans. It's part of the reason why I was looking at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where Dirk Cutter was at the time. And when I became a free agent, we see Jacoby Myers. He's going with Josh McDaniels and the Las Vegas Raiders. He's familiar with the system. This is what players do. We also just seen um, Jimmy Ward just signed with the Houston Tech. Well, is going to sign with the Houston Texans. Well, guess what? Guess where they head coaches came from? Mm-hmm. The San Francisco 49ers. People are going to sign with – uh, you know, being familiar with defenses or offenses because the learning curve isn't there. You don't have to learn anything different. I mean, think about John U. Smith uh, goes from the Patriots to the Falcons. Yes. And for anyone that doesn't remember the tie there, Arthur Smith, the head coach of the uh, Falcons, was with the Titans at the same time that John U. Smith was there, right? So right. I, I think there's this moment for me where we just have to remember continuity matters. And, and frankly, we did this when I was touring with the band Perry and we were doing really well. Uh, one of our guitar players decided he just didn't want to tour anymore. So uh, we were picking our bags up in Nashville at the airport one day and he's like, guys, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I, I, I quit, which is fine. I to- We totally respected it, but I had to find a guitar player. So now I got to find a guitar player for the band. Well, the first thing I did, we were on the road at the time with Scotty McCreary. The first thing I did was looked at Scotty McCreary's guitar player because I knew him. I knew what it was like to be on the road with him. I knew what it was like to be in catering with him. I knew his mm-hmm. strengths, strengths and weaknesses as a guitar player. Like This is just a real life moment. My job was to get, as the, as the band leader, was to get another guitar player in as quickly as possible that we could trust. So I went with somebody I knew. This just feels like a real-life application we need to remember, and part of why all this makes sense. Now, that being said, Dan Graziano and Adam Schefter this morning blew my mind on Get Up. Every day we're talking about Aaron Rodgers, yet somehow it feels like we get new details every day. He said something significant about today with Aaron Rodgers that I didn't even know. Check this out. If we go back to last year, the negotiating period opened on Monday. 
And it was on Tuesday, this day last year, that Aaron Rodgers signed his three-year, $150-plus million contract extension with the Green Bay Packers that most thought would enable him to finish his career in Green Bay. Of course, that doesn't look like it's going to happen. That was an important technical point that he signed that contract a year ago today because if they need to rework the contract, you're not allowed to do that until a year after the contract is signed. So you're looking for reasons why it's taken so long that maybe that's one of them. How? We're sitting here after months of speculation and I just hear today, you can't even rework the contract till today, which is a huge part of what they need moving forward. It's like we learn, learn something new every week when it comes to this Aaron Rodgers deal and him being traded to the New York Jets. That's a very important piece in this whole ordeal because like you just mentioned and they just mentioned, nothing can be reworked until a year has passed, right? Yeah, think about it. And I want to be so... That's significant. I, That's very significant. I, like, to be so transparent here, because a lot of times people think ESPN's got this big, like, conspiracy theory in the way we cover things. Like, you and I both work... Uh, we work our tails off, right? We're around this this place. Seven days every, a week right now. Like, for seven you, days a week. Like, this is what we do. I, I, I'm going to do 150 digital shows above and beyond radio this year. Like, you and I work in this space every day. There was never once two months ago a meeting where Graziano came in and said, hey, guys, just just want you all to know Aaron Rodgers really can't rework this contract until exactly <laughs> one year. Yeah, imagine how different it would be. I didn't even know to ask the damn question. And now I'm sitting there saying, Graz, you realize how much time you could have saved us how many hours of Aaron Rodgers like if Graz would have just come in in December and been like hey guys quick note uh, can't do that Evan Graz is in the content business he knows what's up <laughs> he's just like it, it really is like you know sitting there watching all of us spin around on a baseball bat and then run the course knowing what idiots we look like Graz is just sitting back with his feet up he's, and he's like, like huh you know what I should keep this to myself for right now you know no I'm, reason to let it out at I, the moment <laughs> I am doubling down on my theory. Uh, my theory was that the Jets, the Packers, and Aaron Rodgers all had a pretty good idea what was coming earlier in the week, but they don't want to announce it until Aaron Rodgers has the chance to tell his story to the world, because we all know it's Tuesday, which means today he'll be on the Pat McAfee show. The one thing that I know is that when that happens, we will react to every single ounce of the news, whether it involves the darkness, more caves, more meditation, some hot yoga, or I don't know, a trade to the Jets. Any way you want. You'll hear four foot three inch Evan from all across the country. He will scream with a glee you didn't know a grown man could scream with the minute it happens. Fitz and Harry is presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career path with flexibility, great pay and benefits? Go to progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. Bundle today at Progressive.com. All indications are the Jets are moving towards a deal with Aaron Rodgers. Meanwhile, one team is telling us they are out on Lamar Jackson. We'll tell you who it is next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. At some point, what are we waiting for? Either you want to continue to play, you want to play for the Jets, or you don't. Jets management need this guy to be committed to not only them as an organization, but to those individual players. So when is he going to show up if he does come? and Harry, the podcast. Yeah. 
If you are the Indianapolis Colts and you are GM Chris Ballard, the price is whatever it takes. To move up, there's got to be a guy worthy of it. Everybody has just automatically stamped that you've got to move up to one to get it right. All if the Ravens don't want to pay Lamar Jackson and they feel like they don't want to, you know, basically give him what he's demanding and what he's asking for. But I do believe the the Indianapolis Colts, with Shane Steichen being their head coach right now, I think it makes the most sense. The Colts made it clear that the one thing they were going to address was the quarterback position. They can't come out of this with a nobody at quarterback. They've got to be able to sell the fan base on we got it figured out. One of the presumptions is that no matter what, at least Lamar's out there. But yesterday, another team told us they have different plans. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Sirius XM Channel 80, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're also on your smart speakers. All you got to do is tell them to play ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And uh, look, it, it feels weird to be talking about this constantly, Harry, but we're trying to figure out where the market is for Lamar Jackson. I have to remind everybody that because he was non-exclusive franchise, no team can talk to him at all until tomorrow at 4 p.m. Eastern. So the first time he can even get a you up, what's up, hey there, any of those. The first time he can get any of those texts from any team not named the Baltimore Ravens is tomorrow, 4 p.m. Eastern. So even if a team says they're interested or not interested right now, they can't gauge any of this because they can't talk to him. They can't talk to whoever, his, his mom representing him. None of that. But we did get another indicator yesterday from a team you know well. Even though this may not seem significant to many, I think it's pretty significant. Taylor Heineke, the former Commanders quarterback, signed a deal yesterday that's a two-year, up to $20 million contract to join the Atlanta Falcons. Again, he won't actually sign that to be technical until tomorrow when the period opens to it. But he agreed to that deal. Now the Falcons are sitting here with Desmond Ritter and up to $20 million invested in Taylor Heineke. It feels like they're giving you a pretty clear indication that they are out on Lamar. And we got to be honest, like the Atlanta Falcons and, and their coaching staff and Terry Fontenot, their general manager, those guys like Desmond Ritter. They like what he brings to the game. I was there doing the uh, Bill Walsh Diversity uh, coaching internship with them, and I love some of the intangibles that I've seen in Desmond Ritter. Now, he didn't get his opportunity to late in, in, into the year, and he showed progress in each game that he was able to start. He showed some intangibles that he can, you know, do this at a high level. And I want to see him within the role for an entire year, an entire season. Also, the signing of Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke was a guy who played against the Atlanta Falcons the last two years. Two years ago, he really put on a show and made some plays and made some throws to, that allowed Washington to beat the Atlanta Falcons in a close game. And they also beat him again this past year in a close matchup that was decided at the end of the game. So, And also, he's, he's, a, he's a Georgia product. He went to Collin Hill, Collins Hill High School. Uh, that's not far from where I live. Uh, I'm out by the Mall of Georgia in Beaufort, but he's he's right along the way. But the Atlanta Falcons are telling you that right now that they believe in their young quarterback, Desmond Ritter, on top of having a ton of money and cap space to be able to sign big-name free agents, something they haven't been able to do the last few years because they were in cat hell and grabbed by the throat. They are now freed and can go out there and sign players like Jesse Bates and David Omignata from, from the New Orleans Saints. They're able to do that, and I don't think the moves are going to stop today. Yeah, by the way, that Jesse Bates signing was a big one. Reset the market yesterday. There were several teams that were looking at safeties, and all of a sudden we saw the top two safeties on the board go for a ton of money. Uh, we should let you know, 
Pat McAfee opened the Pat McAfee show by saying they have no information yet on Aaron Rodgers. So uh, when when he knows, they'll tell us and we'll tell you. That's just the way it's going to go. Uh, as we have some of this conversation around teams that may or may not be interested in Lamar, I do want to stress that one thing about Desmond Ritter. You and I were covering the draft last year out in, L- out in Vegas, right? And as we went into the draft, I said on all the interviews for a month leading up, none of those guys were worth the first round draft pick to me, including Penny and Kenny Pickett, who did go in the first round to Pittsburgh. We'll see how that plays out. But I didn't like any of them in the first round. When you take them later, whether it's Malik Willis for the Titans, whether it's Desmond Ritter uh, for the Falcons, I think what you're saying as a team is like, look, at this point, they've fallen so far. It's worth just taking a shot in the dark. Now you develop your guy. Now you have a lot less pressure on your guy coming in. No, he doesn't have to start, but you have the chance to see him every day. You have to see the chance to see who he can grow into. So I think it's fair to say all of the quarterbacks not named Kenny Pickett last year sort of have an incomplete grade on them when they come into the NFL because they weren't drafted in the first round, second round high. Uh, they were all sort of a yeah, but quarterback. So if Desmond Ritter can develop, hey, that's playing with house money if you're the Falcons. If he doesn't, you just roll the dice again, right? Like they, They're in sort of a no-lose situation by giving him the shot to earn the job. And one of the things that he has in his favor is that run game. That was top five in the National Football League a year ago. Right. And you, you had a young piece in Tyler Algier. You also have Cordell Patterson coming back along with Caleb Huntley, who, you know, surprised a lot of people once he was on the active roster. On top of you brought in another tight end in John Smith, who's familiar with this offense via trade with the New England Patriots. And now you sign Chris Lindstrom to a long, uh, long, uh, long term deal. He was your, your all pro second team, a guy that can really play. So now you're building this thing the way you want to build it if you're the Falcons. Right. And I, and I have faith in Desmond Ritter. I think he's going to be able to make some noise and, and do, you know, what the coaching staff is asking him to do once he goes into the offseason and understands that this team is his. It's a different mindset when you're a rookie, you're coming in, you're trying to learn, you're scrambling things all over the place. Now you're going into the 2023 season knowing the team is yours. And your mindset is different with that approach as well. So now we're in a situation where Jimmy G goes to the Raiders. That takes him out of the Lamar contest. Uh, the, the the Falcons acquire Taylor Heineke combined with Desmond Ritter. It looks like they're out of any conversation about Lamar. You can start to ch- to take some teams, cross them off the list, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, according to Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL insider, yesterday on the Noon Sports Center, he said this about teams being interested in Lamar. There will be multiple teams interested in at least exploring the possibility of a Lamar Jackson trade. I don't know that you're going to see the offer sheet, you know, the franchise tag offer sheet, the two first round picks. I think that it's more likely the teams will call the Ravens, say, are you interested in moving him? Is he interested in moving on? We still don't know that, by the way, if he wants to leave. But if he does, I think you'll see teams talk to the Ravens about a potential trade and then try and sell Lamar on their idea for a new contract. Very similar to what Devontae Adams did last year. The Packers franchised him, then they worked out a deal to trade him to the Raiders. Then Adams signed the franchise tender, which was his way of agreeing to the trade. He had already negotiated a new deal with the Raiders. Uh, That is all important context to another way that this could play out because the concept is that no matter what, it's going to come down to an offer that could be matched or could not be matched. No, there's also a trade element to this too. So uh, I don't think we'll get a great sense on that until tomorrow, obviously. But Graziano has stressed that on every TV appearance I've seen him on, that he thinks it's going to be a trade. There's got to be some information backing that informed opinion, right? So it it speaks to the the possibility. The question is just where. There just aren't that many places Mm. left. Okay, Colts. Okay, Shane Steichen. He's been saying it from the outset. Okay, Colts. (laughs) 
Jonathan Taylor in the backfield with Lamar Jackson. And, and the Colts are in a spot. They have the number four pick, right? Mm-hmm. And if they're really sold on one or two guys, and it's a, potential, a possibility that those two guys are going to be gone or that one guy's going to be gone, why not trade for Lamar Jackson? And right. have him do some of the same things you've seen Jalen Hurts do this past season I, within that offensive system. I, I think your logic makes so much sense. I'm going to continue to say that somehow, some way, sneakily, the commanders get involved in this because there's just no way in my mind, as much as I would love to see Sam Howell come out and be just remarkable, there's no way in my mind you can go into the season with Sam Howell as no, with that roster. No, and let me tell you why. We see all the people that the Eagles are, are losing via free agency, right? Because they got to pay their quarterback. If you're the commanders, why would you let that be the position that doesn't get you over the hump in the NFC East? Yeah, that window might Why? That window might be just like it's open, like it's cracked open for Washington. Uh, we'll keep breaking down the NFC East and what's to come there. Obviously, a ton to break down is we'll keep you updated also on anything we hear about Aaron Rodgers. I know that's the breaking news everybody wants. We don't have anything yet. When we do, you'll be the first to know about it. But coming up, is it March it, it is March Madness. One football powerhouse has become a tournament staple. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. And there is the horn. There is the confetti. Bob Marlin, may we have this dance. And the Paladins are dancing for the first time in 43 years. For the first time in 23 years, Southeast Missouri State is going to the big dance. Let the madness begin. You just heard Learfield Radio on the call there. As we are getting ready to dance. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Again, no breaking news on Aaron Rodgers. If we get any breaking news, you will get that breaking news as soon as we get it. As you all know, because everybody's sitting there trying to fill out their brackets, Harry and I uh, filled ours out. Uh, We'll be out there. You can play with us in the bracket challenge. Be sure to go in, uh, get the ESPN Tournament Challenge app. When you do, look for the ESPN Radio Group. You can play with us. In the meantime, uh, getting to hang out right now. The Wolfpack grows by one. Bruce Pearl, Auburn men's basketball coach, joining us right now. Two-time SEC Coach of the Year. I want to start there, Coach, because number nine seed Auburn plays eight seed Iowa Thursday, 6.50 p.m. Eastern in Birmingham, Alabama. But I just said two time SEC coach of the year. Coach, I used to do local radio in Nashville and, and you know, five, six, seven years ago SEC basketball was seen differently than it is now. What's been the key in your mind for the entire conference turning around and making basketball a bigger priority? Hey Jason, Harry, good, good to be with you guys today and having Bruce Pearl on is not breaking news, I can guarantee you that. <laughs> so, anything that happens with Aaron Rodgers, you will not hurt my feelings by jumping in. Um, it started with, really started with Mike Slive. And, and, and look, you know, they say it just means more in the SEC. I'll make the argument on ESPN Radio. There is no better conference in America, men or women, than the SEC. We dominate virtually every sport, men and women, virtually. Except men's basketball has it. And it's not right now, but it is now competitive. And what happened was Mike Slive, Greg Sankey, who's now our commissioner, Dan Leibowitz, who runs basketball, said, you know what? We're doing it in everything else. We should be able to do it in basketball. Greater commitment from the athletic directors. They hired, they just hired good coaches. They committed resources. People are filling up their buildings. You know, uh, recruiting is obviously approved. And, and, it's, and it's, it's a great league when it's no longer just 
Kentucky and. And that's no longer the case. And, Coach, you don't have to really travel for this game because the game is in Birmingham, Alabama. You guys are stationed in Auburn, Alabama. What kind of impact, you know, of this game being in Birmingham can it, can it actually have? Well, you know, it's great for our students, and it's great for our alumni, and it's great for our fans. Uh, and people ask, well, how in the world does the 9th seed get to stay close to home? Um, well, when we won the league in 18, we went out to California. When we won the SEC tournament in 19 on the road to the Final Four, we went out to Utah and Kansas City. You know, so, um, you know, it's sort of what kind of goes around comes around, you know. So, um, you know, it is an advantage, but it's more an advantage for our fans, that our fans are going to get a chance to see us play. And maybe, you know, having a, having a great crowd will empower our players a little bit and energize our guys a little bit. Um, and so it's, it, it, it's sort of we, – we're fortunate uh, to, to get it this time around. With that being said, I mean, there's this magic to the tournament, but a difficulty in preparing. What's your process going to be, not just for preparing? Obviously, your focus is always on Iowa. I get that. But the tournament doesn't really allow you the glory of just focusing on Iowa. How do you walk through that process as a coaching staff in this tournament? You know what? When I've been a uh, a two or a three or even a four seed, then the team you're going to be playing first you know, you don't need to have a very long preparation. So when I've been in those situations, um, we might spend the very first day looking at our second opponent and then shift gears and just focus on the first game. But I think when you're in the 8-9 and you're playing a team as good as Iowa, you can't take 30 seconds and look past them. You just can't. And so, uh, you know, we understand that Houston and Northern Kentucky are in the next game, and I've got my staff right now. I, I, we break our coaching staff down to three different teams. I have three full-time assistants. So right now I'm working with the team that's got Iowa. I've got a team of assistants that are working on uh, Houston and working on Northern Kentucky, but we, are, we have said very, very little to the team about, about a Saturday opponent because Iowa's too good to do that. Well, Coach, you have a former assistant in Matt Gatons who's now with Iowa. You text him and told him, hey, you changed play calls. So speak on that a little bit for us, Coach. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pretty good that Matt even Matt even gave that up, right? Because I did. I, I texted said, like, we're no longer running that. And I'm going to be calling this, this. And I'm going to, you know, so don't look down there and try to guess what I'm running. Um, yeah, but Matt was a great, great have Matt Gates for a couple of years. And he, you know, he was just getting out of playing and kind of deciding, you know, do I really want to coach or don't I want to coach? And I said, why don't you come on and why don't you come figure it out? And so he and his beautiful wife came here and, and uh, you know it's so good to have him. And I'm, but look, the, you you could take the boy out of uh, out of Iowa, but you can't take the Iowa out of the boy. <laughs> Matt Gates belongs in Iowa City, Iowa. <laughs> We're talking to Bruce Pearl. That is that is delightful because it is oh so true, Coach. Uh, uh, looking back at this season, you guys have been in a lot of close games, and unfortunately, towards the end of the season, some of those were close losses. What do you guys need to tighten up in your mind going into the tournament to turn some of those close losses into close wins? Well, those close losses were the reason why we, you know, we, and, and winning 20 games uh, and beating, you know, a top 12 Arkansas team and a Tennessee team. But, but going on a road and being in overtime at Alabama, going on a road and being in a last possession at Tennessee or Texas A&M, you know, the way the networks and the way the analytics work, they give you credit for being in those positions. 
but look, the way you close out games, you do two things. Number one, you get stops on the defensive end, and so you can win games on the defensive end. And number two, you get to the foul line late. That's what you got to do. And so, unfortunately, in the losses for us, whether it be because of foul trouble or situation, we didn't get stops. We fouled. And then we ourselves didn't go to the foul line, which puts a lot of pressure on your ability to make shots. And, and so, for me, that, that's the key to winning. Coach, I wish you nothing but success in the NCAA tournament. And also, I'm going to let you know, if you need one, Coach, I'm, I'm available. You know oh, they let kids stay in school. They let this. kids stay in school nine to ten years nowadays. So, now, Coach, I, mean, I, still, I think I got a year eligibility left. Have you, have you got a COVID year or two left? On, I think so. I think so, Coach. Let's I think go. I have one. I mean, this is like a daily thing for Harry's trying to get back into college basketball and the NFL at the same time, Coach. I don't <laughs> think you're allowed to play them both, but I'm not. If anybody can, it's going to be Harry. He's try, He's openly shilling here, Coach. Uh, that's all right, man. You know, you, you can teach. You can teach an old dog new tricks. I know. I know go. you can. Uh, and there Harry's an old dog. Well, there you go. Well, I'm I'm a heck of a lot older than he is, so I don't know how I feel about that. But, uh, Coach, I will say, man, congratulations on the success at Auburn. I, I was in that facility right after you got the job years ago when I was still touring in a country band, and we played that that uh, arena. But your your facility is just – I'll never forget how nice everything was there. Man, congratulations and kudos to the rise of Auburn basketball. Been fun to watch. Hope you guys have a great tournament. I appreciate it, guys. Great to be with you all. That's Bruce Pearl, Auburn's men's basketball coach. Uh, just uh, absolutely dynamic individual. College I think basketball. I have a year left. I uh, think I have a year. You, a have year as many, you got a gym named after you. got as many years left a as you A graduate transfer. Now, you walk in. That's what they call it nowadays? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> how many? So, I, I figure if HD went into the NFL, it'd be 40 catches, 600 yards, and five touchdowns. Out of, like, the question is. About, five, about 500 yards. Okay. About 500. okay. Probably so, 530. 35 catches. All right, 35 so now you get on the yards. court with a bunch of college kids that are still like they're running. Ooh, they're running. I'm giving they ass 30. You're, your old ass ain't getting I'm 12. giving they ass 30. 12. 30. Like you get to double Not 30, down, 30. I'm giving them 30. We're going to see when did Harry Douglas win. Harry's going to be like, <laughs> Harry, a Sprite from midcourt. I'm just saying, college basketball and Fitz and Harry brought to you by Wendy's, two for six bucks, the best deal in fast food. While you're playing, I'm just going to stand midcourt and like center court. I'm just going to be eating a Frosty. That's all. Uh, look at all the brackets being created with ESPN's Tournament Challenge. Time for you to sign up and play. Download the Tournament Challenge app, fill out your men's and women's brackets, and don't forget to join the ESPN Radio men's and women's group in the game. Uh, there are 9.5 million so far, and that number was like 8.5 this morning when I was watching Get Up. Y'all are finally waking up. Let's go! Come on, play in our group so we can kick your butts. Coming up, why something Harry saw last night could change everything we see in the NBA playoffs this Year. That's next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. I was dancing around last night. I never celebrate a result one way or the other when it comes to the NBA in the middle of the season. But I do celebrate when either of us is oh so right. And that happened last night in the association. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and of course your smart speakers, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. And you know, obviously throughout the course of the NBA season, there's going to be a lot of conversation about individual games and individual results and what they actually mean through all of it. But last night, 
Last night, there was one result that had me thinking Mr. Cleo's been telling you something for more than a minute, right? Because as we continue, or two nights, as we continue to look across the board at what's been happening, you've been saying one thing repeatedly over and over and over again. That one thing, Harry, is that the team the Suns don't want to see is the Warriors. And what did they show us last night? 123-112, the Warriors took down the Suns. And all I was thinking was, Harry Douglas been telling you this for a minute. And Fitz, I'll tell you, and Kevin Durant didn't play in that ball game, but you look at the uh, Golden State Warriors as well. They didn't have Jonathan Kaminga. They didn't have Andrew Wiggins. Gary Payton II is still trying to come back for an injury and make a playoff appearance. So they were without three guys that they're probably going to be counting on come playoff basketball as well. And we all know what Andrew Wiggins meant to this basketball team on their uh, NBA championship run last season. Now, I get it. Kevin Durant is a juggernaut. He's a human cheat code. But I think for the Phoenix Suns, in their perspective, I don't, I don't think you would want to play a team in the first round who's won four championships and still have their core group together. You look at a guy in Klay Thompson last night who had 33 points at halftime. <laughs> Steph uh, chipped in with his 23. Jordan Poole had 20. So I, I'm looking at this Warriors team, and I think Andrew Wiggins is the key for me, though. If Andrew Wiggins is able to come back – then I'm banking on the, the Golden State Warriors. If Andrew Wiggins isn't able to come back, then I'm going to lead towards the Phoenix Suns. But you talk about a, a Golden State Warriors, and granted, on the road, they've been terrible. But at home, they've been phenomenal. But when it comes to playoff basketball, I'm going to go with the team who has done it over and over again, not one time, not two times, not three times, but have done it four times and have been NBA champions and they understand what it takes to get to that level when it comes to playoff basketball. It's just not a good matchup for the Phoenix Suns. With Kevin Durant, I don't feel like it is. Well, and the hard part here is that you're down to a game and a half. A game and a half is what separates the Suns at the four seed from the Warriors at the five seed. Now, it should be noted, the Warriors and Clippers are sitting with the exact same record at this point. Like, if you're the Suns, you're praying to the voodoo gods of the NBA, trying to hope that somehow, some way, the Warriors slip behind the Clippers. The Clippers end up with that four or five seed. You feel much more comfortable with that matchup, as crazy as that sounds. But to your point, Harry, the, the game and a half is significant because if it's already going to be a tough matchup, the one thing you don't want is that to flip. If you're the Suns, you've got to keep that that lead over the Warriors because if the Warriors game home court in that series, mm-hmm. you're done. I mean, the, you made the point. The Warriors right now on the road are seven and twenty-six, but at home they're twenty-nine and seven. And let's not get it twisted. Those Suns have a losing record on the road as well. So you don't want to have home court advantage flip out of your favor in this series. And you know, I'm a big fan of you know, large bodies of work, but you're right. At some point, sometimes you just got to look at the matchup, and the matchup looks difficult when you start talking about the Warriors, the way the Warriors can beat you and just the way the Warriors are going to spread out the Suns on the floor. Like I, It just feels like this is one of those moments where David versus Goliath isn't always David versus Goliath. There's nuance to that and sometimes yeah. it's about the way a team matches up against the other. Well, I know who the, the Golden State Warriors, who, who they're going to put in a pick and roll situation. It's going to be DeAndre Ayton every time down the floor. And now granted on the, on the, on the, on the, on the Suns side, 
they're probably going to put, you know, Steph Curry in the pick and roll with a guy like Kevin Durant who who's 6'10", 6'11", and can shoot over the defense. And if you play great defense and you're the same size as Kevin Durant, he's still going to make that basket. So it's going to be a chess match. But the Warriors and their ball movement, I'm watching them last night and how they're able to move the ball. And then you got Moses Moody cutting. And he's another young guy that they that needs to step up a lot more that they can bank on if he gets things going. So I like the, uh, the Warriors. DiVincenzo, I think he's playing uh, outstanding basketball form when Steph Curry was out, but also while Jonathan Kaminga is out and also Andrew Wiggins. If they're able to get Andrew Wiggins back, and he's the Andrew Wiggins that we seen last year on that playoff run, that championship run that they had, watch out for Golden State. It's interesting when you talk about the matchups and who's going to be on who, because one thing we've talked about, the advantage the Suns have is that they can beat you so many different ways, because they're really a big four, depending on how Aiton is playing in the moment. They got four superstars. But then when you start to sort of A-B, okay, well, what does that look like? You know, They don't have anybody that can really guard KD. That's not going to be real. And I don't think they have a mismatch that favors them the rest of the way down that, that depth, right? They have good... For the rest of the NBA, they can look at it and say, well, fine, if you take away uh, if you take away KD and you take away Booker, we can still beat you with Chris Paul and Aiton. Or if you take away one of these three, we can beat you with these others. I don't know that that's the case. You mentioned ball movement, too. It's going to require so much from Phoenix to be able to keep up with that. It just doesn't feel like a strength to how they're built as a team. And that's okay. Like yeah. It's okay to come in and say, like we just aren't built in a way that makes us a good matchup against this one particular team. I feel better about Phoenix against anybody in the West not named Golden State. Well, I'll say this. In Kayvon Looney is a guy who's been able to win championships with the Golden State Warriors, and he's been able to step up. He stepped up tremendous last year in the playoffs as well. He's a guy you can't forget about. Draymond Green being able to guard one through five. He's going to ramp up his play. That's just what he does. So I'm not necessarily worried about the Warriors. I don't like that they, uh, you know, away from home the way they've been playing. But when it comes to playoff basketball, if Andrew Wiggins is healthy, I like their chances. Um, now, if the Suns get home court, then I don't know. Let the game seven lies if it gets to that point. It's just amazing in a league where so often we devalue the regular season. The real of it is the regular season is more important than ever down this stretch because there's so little wiggle room for all these teams in the West, and home court means so much this year. Coming up, one retired superstar who thinks Aaron Rodgers is playing next year. You'll hear from him next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio in the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 